It's been a long time since we did a podcast. What's up? It is Caroline. And Sarah. And this is Two Two Girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah! Hey, hey, you, you, we got a new format! Hey, hey, you, you, we think you're gonna like it! Hey, hey, you, you, listen to our podcast! Do no, Here we go. Two songs for one pod. Two songs for one pod. Very musical episode. Seriously. Um... It's Caroline here with Sarah, and we want to let you guys know we, four people who listen, hello, Aunt Jane, Uncle Scott, my mom now, hello, mom. Hello. Um, sometimes, if she knows how to turn it on, I had to show her how. Um, we have changed the format of our pod to be quicker, more bite-sized. Let's get yeah. into it. Snappier. Um, also, it makes them much easier to edit, let me tell you that. You can binge it, and we can edit it. So win-win for everybody. There you go. So what's new? Exactly. So what's going to be different is hopefully I stop talking over Sarah, because I've done that (laughs) for the past seven episodes. And also, we're just going to be a lot more succinct. So we want to introduce you to our first, well, kind of to take on what we were doing before, our Rosebud Thorn, but we're gamifying it. Bow, bow, bow. How it's going to work on Two Girls, Two Topics is that Sarah and I will each give each other our rosebud thorn, very high-level overview, Mm -hmm. and the other person can only ask a follow-up on one of the topics to get into. So, Mom, hopefully it's going to be a much shorter episode (laughs) this time. (laughs) We're only doing this because Caroline's mom complained about how long the episode was, so truly, moms are always correct. (laughs) Yeah, no, like I wanted it too. Like, yeah, no, it's my idea too. It's not just my mom. <laughs> um, Sarah. Yeah. Hey. We just spent two and a half hours t- just talking. Yeah. One Around that. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. I know. Other than what I already know, give me your RBT, my friend. Yeah. So this week was. A little rough for me. Uh, my rose is that on Sunday, it was my youngest nephew's first birthday party. Um, and my parents came. Actually, I think my headphones are about to die also. So Drama. heads up on that. Drama on this new, on this Drama. new layout. So we got to keep it quick because they just gave me the, the 10% warning. Um, yeah, so my parents were here and I got to see them and I got to hang out with my nephews and that was really great my mom baked me these delicious gluten-free chocolate cupcakes that were like so good um my thorn is that I had a stomach bug in the middle of the week which is never fun and I haven't had one in a while um and I just forgot how much they suck my bud is that there's only four days left of school before break, and I'm really looking forward to just not having to work and getting to chill and getting to see Caroline in person and being Ooh, in Massachusetts. We've never met in person. Okay. 
We only know each other because of the podcast. <laughs> we just met. No, I'm really excited. Um, yeah. May I ask my follow-up cue? Yeah. My follow-up cue is regarding your bud. Yeah. What is something that you are going to do like for yourself over your break? It's a great question. Um, I think I'm going to do some baking. I, my mom has like already lined up a bunch of different like recipes. She keeps sending me things and being like, we should bake this over vacation. So I think we're going to do some baking. I'm going to go on some walks with my dog and just get some dog snuggles in, which I'm excited about. Um, yeah, I'm, my sister and I were talking about maybe going on a day trip to Portland, Maine um because we love it and it's not that far away from our house but I don't know if that will happen now because of the Omicron but uh we'll see yeah that's those are those are some things hell yeah mostly I'm just in looking forward to not having to wake up at 6 15 in the morning uh I can't blame you for looking yeah. forward to that <laughs> My RBTs are very short. Yeah. My rose is that I found my scent. My bud is that I get to co-parent my nephews this weekend because my brother-in-law is going on a nice little trip with his brother. And my thorn are fucking candle molds. I have oh, I only have one follow-up question. Um Wow. It's so intriguing. I didn't, so this was like, I didn't realize that you had to like make it a hint and make it more intriguing. And I'll, I will try, I'll try for next time to think of ways to do that. There are no rules. Um, well, I just feel like, yeah, you just did it. I'm like, I want to know about the candle molds. I want to know about your signature scent. Like I'm going with the scent. What's the scent? Where'd you find it? Is it perfume or just like, you just did you found out that like you don't have to shower for three days like <laughs> what are we talking if i didn't shower where would i drink wine um okay so my scent, i i have a set like fancy scent like joe malone woods sage whatever that i love yeah. however there was a candle that i got from white barn candle which i think is the one that's owned by bath and body works and Fell in love with the candle, went into Bath and Body Works. I'm like, hello, where are the candles? They barely, they had like one. Like, what is this scent? And they go, oh, but that scent is called this. And I go, what? And I went to the rest of the Bath and Body Works area. I got two candles and I got five hand sanitizers. Oh my God. That make you smell like mahogany teakwood. And Ooh. I got all of those hand sanitizers for $7.00. Bath and Body Works hand sanitizers. I cannot, I cannot praise them enough. Mahogany teakwood. If you want to smell like you work at Abercrombie, or that you're dating someone from Abercrombie, and oh hello, um, highly recommend Mahogany teakwood from Bath and Body Works or the White Barn brand, whatever. They're all connected. So that just gave me a flashback to the first week of March of 2020 when I went to a Bath and Body Works to ask if they had hand sanitizer and they said they they got shipments every day at noon and they sold out by 12 10. oh my god online yeah. or 
in person? In person. And people literally were lining up at the Bath and Body Works to just set, buy out all of their hand sanitizer. After that, I was, that had been, that was our like three of trying to find hand sanitizer on the island of Manhattan. And at that point, I went to the Whole Foods and bought like rubbing alcohol and aloe gel to like make my own hand sanitizer. So I was I so desperate because I was, they hadn't closed schools down yet. And I was like, I have no hand sanitizer. My kids are coming in and they're licking each other and we have no hand sanitizer. Like, what are we supposed to do? And then two days later, the schools got closed. But yeah, that was just like a very like visceral memory for me of, of when you said that bath and body, that bath and body works hand sanitizer. That's crazy. 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, now we know in the future, knock on wood, it doesn't happen again, but you have the recipe for hand sanitizer. I yeah. The trick is hard. that you need 90% rubbing alcohol. It cannot be anything less than that. Huh. Yeah. Noted. Well, on that tip. We're going to go into a break and then we're going to teach you some gosh darn things. Yeah. I want to get right Sarah, into you know. it. You know yeah. things too. Oh my God. All right. So this week, um, me, Sarah, am, am going to, or I, Sarah, that's proper grammar. I'm going to go first. And um, my lesson is going to be well, it's actually inspired because Caroline introduced me to the show called The Great on Hulu, um, which is about Catherine the Great, which got me inspired to kind of look into a little bit of the real life of the woman Catherine the Great, because I've heard the name before, but I don't really know that much about her because I don't, my history didn't cover Russia history. So I was just kind of interested to see, you know, what she is. And I found this article from the History Channel about eight things you didn't know about Catherine the Great. So I'm just going to kind of summarize what the eight things are. Um, so the first thing is that her name wasn't even Catherine, and she wasn't even Russian. So the woman who history would remember as Catherine the Great, who was, if you don't know who she was, she was Russia's longest ruling female leader um, in the 1700s. So she's actually from Prussia, um, which is what an area of what we now call Germany. And her name is Sophia, Sophie von Anhalt Zerp. Um, and she had a lot of different marriage prospects because her mother's bloodline was, real, was well regarded, even though her father was impoverished. Um, and so how she became Catherine is that um, she was converted to Orthodox Christianity, which was the ruling religion of Russia at the time. Um, and when she was converted, she changed her name and her name was the Ekaterina or Catherine. So she became uh, Catherine after her marriage and conversion to Orthodox Christianity. Um, another fun fact is that her eldest son and heir may have been illegitimate. So not really Peter's child. Um, and it took them eight years to have a kid. Uh, so they think that Peter was unable to consummate the marriage while others think he was infertile. Um, and despite this, Catherine had, so they both had extramarital affairs, which is documented in the show. Um, but Catherine had an affair with this guy named Sergei Salsikov, a Russian military officer. And then after she had this affair, she gave birth to a son. And so there was gossip around court that the son was actually this uh, 
Sergei's child, not Peter's. So he may have been illegitimate. And she had three, she had four children in total. And it's believed by historians that none of them were actually fathered by Peter because he may have been infertile. So she came to power in a, a bloodless coup that later turned deadly. So um, she died in January 7, 1762 and her nephew succeeded to the throne as Peter III with Catherine as his consort. Um, oh, so that's, sorry, that was Peter's mother. Um, so Catherine was like, Peter's doing a really terrible job of ruling. I'm going to gain power. And so she gained the support of the military in 1762. So um, a, a little bit while after they uh, rose to power, Catherine gained the support of the military. Um, and with the support of the military, they arranged for her husband's arrest. Um, and so just six months after becoming czar, Peter abdicated. So he gave up his title. And Catherine was proclaimed sole ruler. So even though she was like, um, only came into power because she married Peter, he gave up his power. And so she became the ruler. And Spoilers. Even though, huh? Spoilers. Yeah, sorry. Spoilers for the show, The Great. You know, history is spoilers for the show. Um, even though the coup was bloodless, it, it turned deadly um, because Peter was killed shortly after the coup took place, um, possibly by Catherine's lover at the time. And there's no proof that Catherine knew of the alleged murder before it happened. It still cast a pall over her reign from the start. Um, she faced down more than a dozen uprisings during her reign. And she became Catherine the Great's um, so being Catherine the Great's lover came with huge rewards. So after her, after Peter, her husband died, she never married again, but she had, took a bunch of lovers. Um, and so being her lover had like a lot of power in court um, and, you know, gave you a great position in terms of history. Um, she saw herself as an enlightened ruler. And contrary to popular myth, Catherine died a fairly mundane, uneventful death. So she just kind of like lived a long life. She died in 1796 um, after ruling for about, you know, 34 years. And Catherine's eldest son met the same grisly fate as his father. He was killed by uh, one of her, her lovers. The same one who suspected of killing Peter. So pretty tempestuous woman. Um, and decided that she was just gonna didn't like the way her husband was ruling decided that nope I'm gonna do a better job and just kind of decided to take over so that's pretty cool I only really knew her by name and I and I knew that she was a ruler of Russia but I didn't know that much about her so interesting to learn yeah that's my lesson Hello. Okay, Caroline's time to shine. Um, if you know anything about me, you know that I am a Maxinista. I love Marshalls. I love TJ's. I love Home Goods. If there's one around, we're going in and I'm getting a treat. So I wanted to kind of explain to everyone what it 
all is. How are these stores the way they are? How do they make money? How do they get the stuff that they do? Is it all junk? Um, my biased high level answer is no, it's not all junk. And now I want to back it up with a little bit of research, but a very little bit. So Marshall's, TJ Maxx, Home Goods, Home Sense, and Sierra Trading Post are all owned by TJX companies. So TJX, TJX companies is the name of the entire conglomerate that owns all of these stores. Their TJX companies, their motto is leading off price retail of apparel and home fashions in the U.S. and worldwide. Why did I even say that? I want to point this out. It's an off-price realtor, real, realtor, retailer. It is not a discount store. So when I say off-price re, realtor, re, oh my God, retailer, <laughs> off-price retailer and not discount store, it's because their goal is to get these quality brand name merch that's already 20 or 60% below price of regular um, retail prices. But it's not a discount store because you're never going to go in and see promotional pricing. You're never going to see a sale or a major coupon because the prices are already so low, which then makes you think, oh, what the fuck is this crap? Where are you getting this shit that's so low? It looks good, but I can't trust that it's so nice and cheap. Well, some things you can trust and some things you can't trust. The way that they buy is that they have their buyers go to, I'm sorry, the way that they get clothing and product, their buyers are in contact with these departments who have department stores that have full cancellations. People don't want the winter coat anymore. Take it. We're losing money. Just take it. Manufacturer overproduction. Oh my God, I made too many of these gold hoops that Caroline's going to love. Marshall's, take them. She's going to buy them all and forget she has them. And then she's going to buy another pair because she keeps forgetting that she has these hoops that she loves. Closeout deals at the end of the season. And then finally, some stuff that you'll find at any TJX company is actually made, like, specifically by TJX people um, and, and by the company designers, which is interesting. And I wonder, though, how how often I'm buying those original TJX stuff and how often I'm like, that's disgusting. Why do I keep seeing it? I would be very interested to see how much, what percentages of the brands and what percentages of the things they buy from are purchased versus the things they make. So that's really interesting. Um, in terms of where they are and where they're buying from, they have 10,000 vendors that they buy from in 60 different countries. And I got this from the website. You know, I did look on some other blogs, but it's a, it's a huge conglomerate. You know, this you're going to hear the good stuff. But some other interesting stuff is that they purposely, if you go into a TJ Maxx or a Marshalls or a Home Goods, you might get really overwhelmed because there are departments, but there are no walls. Uh, it can be, and it can be very, very overwhelming if you haven't drank enough wine before, which is how I like to go to these stores. <laughs> or if you don't, if you don't, if it's not your Marshalls or your TJs, right? Where in that case, you know exactly where to go. So the purpose that they don't have the walls is that they can expand and move around according to inventory and seasonal stuff because they are, as I said, 10,000 vendors, 60 countries. Every year they're getting more, every week, every day they're getting more stuff. 
And I was going to save it to the end, but I want to tell you right now, here's a major tip. TJ's Marshall's, et cetera. They're always getting things coming in. Wednesday, you hear me folks? Aunt Jane, you hear me? Wednesday is the best day to shop because that's the day that TJ Maxx receives its largest shipments and its biggest markdowns. While we're talking about markdowns, look for the yellow tag, not the red tag. You'll be shopping at a TJ's or a Marshall's or a Home Goods, Home Sense, whatever. I've never seen a Sierra trading company. Um, and you see these red tags and you're like, oh yeah, look at this, it's red. It means it's important. Um, but that is not the final markdown. Look for a yellow tag to really see that final markdown. Um, and I guess that kind of gets confusing when I said before, hey, it's not a discount store, right? But you're never going to get a coupon, as I mentioned, for that markdown. They're just going to happen naturally, which makes it, um, which is why they, they don't call it a discount store and why they call it an off-price realtor. Um, well, I did it again, retailer. Um, one more thing before I give my final tip. A lot of people, as I mentioned before, think that the stuff that you find at TJ's and Marshall's is total crap but, or like irregular. But in reality, the numbers that they give people is that only 5% of their goods are considered irregular and they're marked down. So I guess my too long didn't read is if you are buying a gift for someone you don't know that well, or you're buying a stocking stuffer for a family member or whatever, go to a TJX. It's any a home sense, a Marshall's, a TJ Maxx. It's actually not crap. Um, I speak from experience, but also from the research I've done and I've looked at a few other fashion bloggers, like it's not crap, but it's not luxury because a luxury experience is walking in and seeing exactly what you want everywhere you want it and it being very organized. And because it's a off-price re re retailer, you're not going to get that luxury, but it doesn't mean you can't find luxury things. I have a Ralph Lauren jacket that I got from a TJ's and it fucking rolls. Um, TJ is not to be confused with Trader Joe's. Final thing that I would like to say, just to make you guys really subscribe to the church of TJX, is sometimes vendors label things irregular and send it to TJ's, even when it's perfectly fine, because if they... They don't want to upset their other clients. They don't want to upset the big department stores who are like, we don't want any of this stuff. Or like, we have enough. We're not selling it. As I said, overproduction. But if you see something and it says irregular, um, if you see that Marshalls, it's pretty likely that it is. But half the time, a lot of the stuff they're getting is high quality, but the department stores just didn't want it. So I hope you guys learned something. And also shout out again, Aunt Jane, Uncle Scott, Cousin Jen. I never call you Cousin Jen. Jen, thank you. They gave me a Marshall's gift card for Hanukkah. I used it immediately, Sarah. Immediate. I got it maybe on a Thursday. It was gone by Saturday. Gone. So that thank you, guys. Not surprise um, me. Yeah, of course not. Um, TJX, shop them. You'll love it. You'll love it. bunch of episodes or lessons um my question for you is what's the best thing you think you've ever bought from a tj maxx oh my 
my God. And that gives you like kind of best that- quality, thing you got the best use out of, um, best discount, any of any and all of the above. That's incredible. I I'm going back to that Ralph Lauren, Ralph Lauren jacket. It it's the same kind of like Burberry makes a very iconic jacket that's quilted and like perfect for early fall. Um, and I don't know what the type of jacket is called, but it's that kind of like light quilted early fall. And my mom thought we were in a, we're in a TJ's in Chicago and I don't know if I saw it or she saw it, probably her, she's brilliant. Um, but I saw it and it's navy blue and has a little furry collar. Um, it is so nice and I really needed one of those kinds of light jackets. So I think I'm going back to that, but if I look around, there's so much in my apartment. I think Marshalls or TJ's, I'm just going to say Marshalls because that's the one I go to the most, but I consider them the same. I think with Marshalls, what I've been really impressed with are like the mugs you can get. I think they do have a lot of kitchen stuff that you shouldn't sneeze at. Oh, oh God, here was another gift. Life-changing. I got a beautiful, perfect size pot for roasting veggies. Um, I'm sorry, steaming veggies. And my grandma bought it for me at the, it was at the Arsenal Yards Marshalls. And it was amazing. And it was so nice. She didn't have to buy it. My aunt also got me things. She didn't have to get me anything. Oh my God. My aunt also got me, we got a matching Ralph Lauren dress. And it's so pretty. I wore it when I met Parker, my second nephew for the first time. Wow. I hope, Aunt Jane, I hope you're listening. You're getting a lot of shout outs. So I mean, number one, okay, here's the last thing I'll say. I'm belaboring the point. Candles. And when you go to Marshall's or TJ's, please trust me, get the DW Home Scent Candles. I've been doing this for a while. I'm not a newbie. I love candles. It's hard to find candles that are that you can afford and also smell amazing. DW Home, I'm telling you, they have, it's not all, sometimes the jars will look a little different, but it's always gonna say DW Home. They also make these like manly indulgent smells, which I love, um, like the Abercrombie and Fitch smells. But if you don't take anything away from my talking on this pod, you invest in the DW Home candles from Marshalls because they will make your whole, whole house smell They'll burn for a good amount of time and they're really well priced. DW Home, DW Home, DW Home. Mic drop. Done. Um, yeah. Also, by the way, guys, we're we're gonna keep this area, the end of our podcast, to ask each other follow-up cues. And so that was Sarah's follow-up cue. My follow-up cue. It's just as you as someone who is very well read and is historically inclined, like you enjoy historical things. What is your point of view on these history shows such as The Great when they are not true to what happened? 
Um, and I think that, and there's like the interesting thing with the great is that the opening sequence, it has like an asterisk and it says like an occasionally true story. So you're like, there's, yeah. so you already know that there's only like some fact. Um, and then like they're dramatized, drama, it's a dramatization. This is a hard word to say. Uh, so retailers. retailers. Yeah. <laughs> Realtors. <laughs> um, it's a dramatic a dramatization of the actual events of history. So, um, I think it's fine as long as they're like, you know, these are historical characters, but like, we're not actually trying to be true to history. Like, I think if it, they play it like it's like, a fu- like the great is supposed to be like kind of comedic and like outrageous and like all that kind of stuff. So I think, um, as long as it's played, like, that way, like, yeah, sure, do whatever you want to. I think there's, like, sometimes with, like, historical miniseries, they try to take themselves too seriously, and then it's, like, you can't possibly know this. And also, there's a lot of, like, unless it's, like, you know, there was a whole John Adams miniseries on HBO that was, like, um, based on a biography about him, and then it's, like, there's tons of information about him. But, like, Catherine the Great, there's, like, not that much information about. So, um, it's going to be a little bit different. So, I think I like it when it's, like, we're not taking ourselves too seriously. And we're going to have fun with it. And it's going to be, like, aesthetically as close as we can get to the time period. With also being, like, these people are wearing makeup. And they bathe every day. And, you know, they're, like their clothes have been sewed on like sewing machines and like all that kind of stuff. And like, they're not, you know, don't smell terrible because they're bathing every day and they're not all like, like riddled with diseases. Um, I forgot where I was going with that. I think you, you, you fully made your point. You're just, you're just bringing it home, which you did. I feel so at home with your point. Great. So point made. Um, yeah, so if you're, yeah oh. go ahead. I was going to say, if you're listening to this and you're making a history series, based on my one thing that I said as one human being who enjoys history, don't take yourself too seriously. You, ha- you heard it here, folks. Two girls, two topics, we're bringing you the hard facts. I had a follow-up cue. You mentioned there are so many of those history miniseries that really don't get it right are there any examples that come to mind right away I mean I haven't watched too many of them my dad loves them and I don't think it's that like they don't necessarily not get it right but it's like they don't maybe they don't capture like the essence of the time period or it's like they try to shoehorn too many like modern themes into like what people would actually be talking about at that time period Um, so, like, if it's something from, like, the 19th century and they're trying to, like, make it feminist, but it's, like, they're making it feminist in a way that, like, wouldn't actually have been, like, true for the time period, then it's, like, this just, it takes away from it. Or if, if, like, the people are being, like, you know, behaving in a way that's, like, really their 21st century or 20th century people, like, just in costume in this like other time period then it's like okay you either have to be completely ridiculous or be as accurate as you can and like anything in the middle it's just like what are you doing yeah it's kind of like half-assing it yeah or just like 
like kind of mocking, like, but not like mock, cause like mocking is, I don't know. Like there's a fine line between like not having done enough research or not having the budget to make it look like you've done enough research and like really just being like, fuck this history, like in a funny way. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. So you are seven episodes in. I only am two episodes in. I, I'm really enjoying it. I think the way you said that, like, it's intense, it's history, but it's also funny and, like, a, a dramedy, definitely would agree. Um, we're talking about, again, we're talking about The Great, which is on Hulu. I don't know. It does have significant stars, but I don't know who they, I don't know their name. It's a lot of, like, people that are famous want. in England for having done, like, things. I think one of the main characters was on Skins. Like, the guy who plays Peter as a teenager was on this British show, Skins, that was kind of like the Degrassi, but of England, and, like, a lot more intense. They did a lot more hard. I mean, he definitely looks familiar. Yeah. Here's a final cue I got for you. And those listening, ask yourself this, especially my Uncle Scott, because you watch a lot of history stuff. Something that bothers me. Sorry, less of a cue, more of a a personal opinion. Kind of bothers me that the go-to accent in any historical thing is British. So in The Great, they're all British when you know they're all Russian. And I understand the cinematic and the directorial choice there is typically Russian is considered very guttural. And maybe less poetic. I That's not my opinion. I don't listen to Russian. Just in general. Stereotypical opinion. Whereas British. A little easier to understand. A little more magical. And like, it's like escaping your reality. As an American. As an American. And like most of Hulu shows. I feel like I'm leaving America. But yeah. So does that bother you? What are your thoughts there on historically accurate accents? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting, right? Because I'm also thinking back to, like, that um, thing on the Romanovs that we both watched that was, like, half documentary, half, like, acted out. And I don't remember if the actor, what accents the actors had. But it's also true of, like, ancient history things, where if it's, like, we're talking about Romans, the Romans are always played by British people. And I think it's because of the British Empire and the fact that it was, like, you know, not too long ago, England was in all of those countries, like had a, a presence in all of those countries. So um, they were like, you know, especially for Nazi films, like English people usually play the bad guys because of, I think because of that. Um, and it is interesting. So this is like totally not like this, but there's the show on, on Netflix uh, called The Witcher, which is a fantasy series. And in a lot of fantasy series, the same, it's the same issue. They all have British accents. And you're like, you could literally speak any way you want to because this is a made-up. Like, no one knows. But the thing that I like about this is that the main character is American and talks in kind of like an old, like, sort of like American trying to have a British accent, but sounds American. Um, and then there are characters in different provinces with different accents. So you're traveling around this different fan- this different fantasy land, and they all have different accents depending on like where in the land you are. 
Um, and it's based off of like a story by a Ukrainian author. And so some of them have accents that are like similar to Eastern European accents. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of true to like the story material. Um, but it does annoy me that I'm like, and I, you know, I watched so much of this stuff. I didn't realize it, but like, if you watch HBO, like Rome from like early 2000s on HBO, they all have some sort of UK accent. And it's like, why? They're Romans. They wouldn't have sounded like that. Like, kind of annoying, right? Yeah. They could, like, literally, these, this is a culture that's been dead for years. Like, choose different actors. And also, I think part of it is that these things are really dramatic, and a lot of um, English actor, actors are trained on the stage, and they do a lot of, like, Shakespeare. So, like, they're very dramatic and, like, that kind of stuff. All speculation. What I don't a, know for sure. A, a well, well thought, thought out. I spent reason. a lot of time thinking about this. <laughs> I watch a lot it, of it shows. shows. It shows. But you haven't watched Downton Abbey yet. I have watched Downton Abbey. Yet. Oh fuck me, I'm a bad friend. Why don't we? I don't know why we haven't ever talked about Downton Abbey. I was just um talking to my friend Adam and his wife Minna, and I was like, guys, let's rewatch Downton Abbey virtually together and talk about it. Um, I can't believe it's such a winter show. All right. Here's my rec. Here's let's, let's, do you have any other questions for me? Let's end it on a rec. My recommendation for the winter, especially if knock on wood, I hope this doesn't happen, but if we go back into a lockdown in the dead of winter, Downton Abbey on Amazon prime, really cozy show and I'm not someone who loves like British fancy things like in fact I like wanted to blow my brains out reading Pride and Prejudice and I feel like such an idiot that I didn't enjoy she it. kept with it and she finished it you know, you know what, what I did because it's, it's your favorite, favorite book. book aww I love Pride and yeah. Prejudice one day we'll watch that movie together the 2005 version is nothing like the book it follows the same plot structure, but there's so much more palpable yearning in it. It's just, like, great. Ooh, yeah. palpable yearning. That's a good band name. Anyway, that's my recommendation is Downton Abbey. Sarah, do you have an awesome recommendation to to leave us off with? It can be a Trader and Joe's item. It can be anything. My, rec- my recommendation is to start cooking your dinner before you're hungry. Because by the time you're hungry, you will have a beautiful meal and you won't feel like super rushed because you're starving. That's my recommendation. Do you have any tips to how to make sure you do that? And I ask specifically, I do a lot of meal prep, but I will make everything and then it goes in the fridge and then I'm like, ugh, I have to microwave it. So what are your thoughts there? Always, so what I like to do is buy like a vegetable I can snack on while I'm making dinner. So if I do get kind of hungry, I'll like eat something light. Um, but then it's not going to be too heavy that like, you know, over the 45 minutes when you're making dinner, once the dinner is ready, like you're going to be ready for dinner. So because I, because I finish, I get home from work around four and at work, I'll usually have a moment where I'll be like, what am I going to make for dinner? So I'll like look up a recipe Or when I get home, I'll look through a cookbook and be like, okay, this looks good. And then I'll see the ingredients I have, and then I'll go to the grocery store. So I'll probably start cooking around 530. So at that point, I'll be hungry. 
Um, so I'll have my little nibble that I like have a cucumber with hummus or some crackers or something like that while you're cooking. So you have that. So you're not like you can stave off hunger, but you're also not filling yourself up before it's time to eat. That would be my recommendation. Also buy seltzer because seltzer fills you up. Ooh, Can't be a podcast episode if I don't mention seltzer. Seltzer review. It's a seltzer review. So fun for me. I love it. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. Um, Mom, text me. What do you think of the new format? Uncle Scott, text me. Meg started listening. So Meg, let me know what you think. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Have a great, have a happy holiday. Have a happy new year. Be safe, be happy, be healthy. The end.